But Nigel, the one that's been dominating the press over the last, certainly the last week, is the Mr Bates versus the post office scandal. Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So... If you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to <clears throat> excuse me, another episode of the How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan. And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Happy New Year to <laughs> you, Raymondo. How Happy the New devil New are you? Are you, yes. uh, are you well? Full of the joys of spring. Crocuses are starting to appear in the ground. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. And as the snow starts to fall across the country, not that we're meant to tag these things, we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to evergreen them. <clears throat> but yeah, there it is, New Year. It is the first one of 2024. And Nigel and I are here and we are discussing a, a number of things. But Nigel, the one that's been dominating the press over the last, certainly the last week, um, is the Mr. Bates versus the post office scandal. Have you been watching it? What do you think of it? Has anyone listening not yet seen it? I, I haven't spoken to a person yet who hasn't seen it. Uh, Ray, it, this is just one of those things that takes your breath away. I've I've heard about it over the years, and you've kept hearing about it, and you've kept thinking, all right, yeah. And you kind of get an inkling as to what it is, um, what was going on. But the revelations in the show, which are... You know, no one's turned around and said this is drama and it's not factually correct. This is, you know, pretty much spot on because the real people are still around uh, and they are, you know, talking on interviews saying, yeah, this is what was said. This is the meeting. This is how it happened. And to me, the scale of the cover-up, the collusion, the scandal involved in it right from the top mm. appears breathtaking. And, you know, we've, we've been talking about this and we, we're sort of, we've been looking at things in the past and we're going to be looking at things moving forward through this year. We've got uh, loads that we're going to share with you folks that may just help you in various situations. Ray, you've just helped someone else recently with one of the things we spoke about the back end of last year this is really growing and i think this is shining a spotlight on the way that big corporations uh big government big industries big things kind of all just band together against the the little person mm. and it's very very hard for the little person to have their voice heard or have their complaints you know, and justice served, really. And it was only when they did essentially grouped together, banded together, that anything has happened. And now, of course, you've got a political bandwagon where everyone is trying to jump on saying, I'm the saviour, I'm the one that sorted it out, I'm the one that gave these people all their compensation, blah 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 When When you look back, you find out that just a, a few years ago, they were the ones who were actively blocking it um, so, you know, it, it just, it stinks, doesn't it? It stinks. I mean, those poor people, what a, what a journey they've been on. Bloody hell. Well, outrageous. Just, for those of you that are listening and are thinking, well, I don't know what you're going on about. I've heard it. What's this? And I don't watch TV. I, you know, people that don't have a telly. Um, 
So Mr. Bates versus the post office is a scandal that revolves around uh, a company called Fujitsu, who supplied the post office with uh, a new software system called Horizon. And they, I think they uh, first supplied it in 1999. And then in the early 2000s, there started to be uh, accounting problems, shall we say. And postmasters were held personally liable if there were any losses. And when they started to say, well, those losses aren't down to me, it's obviously down to the system, the post office head honchos said, well, no one else is complaining. It's it's just down to you and you have to pay it back. And systematically over the over the years, people had to pay that money back. Some people uh, remortgaged their houses to pay back up to £100,000. And others were convicted and jailed as fraudsters and as as supposed pillars of the community. Fingers were pointed. They were saying they were stealing pensioners' money, all this kind of carry on. And uh, uh, hundreds, I think it was, is it three and a half thousand postmasters there were? And over 900 were affected or convicted or or whatever. The numbers are staggering. Anyway, yeah. um, one chap, Mr. Bates, when they turned up at his post office and said there's discrepancies, he said, no, there isn't. Prove it. The police turned up and he said, uh, you know, these are the guys that are wrong, not me. And the police said it's a civil matter and they walked away. Uh, anyway, Mr. Bates dug his heels in. The post office finally agreed to have a sort of internal inquiry. And then they, they there was a whitewash there. Mr. Bates then got Lord Arbuthnot. I think it was, he was, might have been his MP at the time. Um, Lord Arbuthnot got involved, tried to push this through. There were various select committees that all came to nothing. Uh, it was all a big uh, nothing burger, according to the post office. Um, Paula Venels, who was the chief exec of the post office, was then awarded a CBE for services to the post office, despite the fact that hundreds and hundreds of postmasters had been uh, traumatized by this, had gone to jail and in some cases had committed suicide. So the the drama that unfolded on TV has now opened, reopened all of this to, to scrutiny. And uh, I think the other day, Rishi Sunak tried to brush it off and say this was something that happened in the 90s. And he very quickly did an about, an about turn when somebody must have pointed out and went, uh-uh, no, no, this is a big hot potato. It's an election year. You need to get behind this. You need to do something. So then came out with a statement saying, well, we're going to make sure everybody gets compensation. So... Uh, there be th these these um, people that were branded as fraudsters. Their their convictions are now being overturned, and there's compensation lined up, which apparently six hundred thousand pounds. Although some people have pointed out that uh, over the period that six hundred thousand pounds, if you divide it up by the number of years, it blends into a nothingness, and it should be much more. There's others calling saying it should be a million pounds they get, and so on and so on. Anyway, it has highlighted, as Nigel quite rightly pointed out the scandal that a large organization, an institution, in fact, um, and the power that they have over many, many people. But the, uh, there, there, there has been, I should point out, uh, a petition to remove the CBE from Paula Venels. It's now gone way over a million signatures. I signed it um, a few days ago. It was at 430,000 or something. The next day I looked at it, it was 600,000. And then the news report, it's now over a million. But it sat at 1,600 signatures for about four years. So it just shows you the power of a good uh, docudrama or documentary based on facts. Um, but as Nigel said, uh, it's interesting that the how the establishment, shall we say, can, can pull together. Um, and it's usually just a nod and a wink or a quick email or a phone call between people and these things, you know, are hushed up, covered up. Now, there are or are there are there bigger scandals out there, Nigel? 
we've certainly uncovered a few things that point in that direction. And it is my intention to write to Lord Arbuthnot and say, mm, perhaps you want to, if you're, if you're up for the appetite, if you're up for it, you might want to turn your spotlight here. Um, I suspect he'll probably say something like, I am not your MP, you have to contact your local MP, you know, the usual way that they go about. So uh, that uh, I, I am intending to do that, Nigel, let's just say. And we've spoken about it in previous podcast episodes, so you'll all know what we're talking about. We're not going to give any um, no names, no pack drill here. But safe to say, we have asked people to email us with to hello at htrmoney.co.uk, and people have been doing that. They've been contacting me. And in the same manner that Mr. Bates was told he was the only one, and he turned out to be one of many. If you're listening to this, you're not the only one. You are one of many. And I know that because we're starting to uh, reach out to people. I don't have a, I'm not collecting a database or anything like that, but it's interesting that the numbers are starting to stack up. So if you're listening to this and you think, hang on a minute, I have been, um, uh, how can I put it, treated badly, uh, allegedly treated badly by a, an institution that lends money and uh, I'm not quite happy about it, or the way they're behaving is sus suspect, then feel free to fire an email to hello at htrmoney.co.uk and Nigel or myself will get back to you and we'll have a brief phone conversation and find out if we're pointing in the right direction. How does that sound, Nigel? Uh, perfect. And folks, take, it, take us up on the offer. I know a number of people have and, uh, you know, they've been uh, delighted that we've been able to not necessarily give a solution, but give someone a process that they can follow that can uh, challenge these things. Obviously, you know, it's, there's no guarantee. It's not advice. It's just a, a helping hand sort of thing. Uh, but Ray, just going back to the post office thing, the thing that amazed me was the fact that the post office could prosecute and jail people without the uh, need to involve the police because they had their own way of doing it yeah um, i think it's very similar to hmrc isn't it hey. they have sort of delegated powers from the government i haven't really looked into yeah. that but they've got delegated powers from the government that allows them to seemingly bypass the cps that's the crown prosecution service uh, and bring their own prosecutions which i find quite interesting but they're now uh, a bunch of mp there are now a bunch of mps who are saying that perhaps that uh that right should be revoked so it'll be interesting. There'll be more about that. I'm sure we'll have a dig on that and I'll, I'll be able to find more. Yeah. Um, I th I think the uh, the clear thing is, though, yeah, the accounting system was, it was you know, it just didn't work. It clearly didn't work. And uh, to me, um, you know, if you were auditing a system like that and you started getting the, these sort of faults cropping up time and time again, and you looked at the people and you just went, uh, these are not fraudsters. These are not people who are suddenly driving around in Ferraris because they've fiddled 150 grand from the uh, post office accounts or whatever. These were just everyday, uh, your, your neighbor, your local community person, just running the corner shop with a post office in it who were mm -hmm. being ruined, systematically being ruined by a system that was you know, just had flaws in it. Now, the system itself did not prosecute these people. The system itself did not take these people to to task or accuse them of this or whatever it was. It was people who 
did this. And I think this is this is where the power of the person who uh, you know can steamroller this or bring a, a weight of evidence in, or they play the old game of we've got more money to throw at legal fees than you do, so you're gonna you're gonna go bankrupt, collapse, drop out before we have to even admit anything. This is, I think, the fundamental issue, and it's this abuse of power. We've seen it recently in people um, who hold very important roles who then abuse their power with employees, which is uh, another form of doing it. But here within the business thing, if folks, if you feel that you've read the rules and you're following the rules, but still there's somebody saying that you're not and he's prosecuting you or chasing you, harassing you, or whatever it is, this is not how it should work when you're trying to raise money for a project or or yeah. hang on to the money that you've raised for a project. And and this is what the post office thing highlighted to me. It was the fact that there were people there who then got into this ridiculous situation where they had to keep pursuing it mm. in order to protect whatever decision they'd made earlier. And they were just hoping that they could go on long enough. And these people were gradually get old, die, fade away, and it would all disappear and everything would carry on. And I think this is the scary thing. So if you feel that you are being pressured by somebody in a position of authority against the rules that you see are clearly there, this is, this is you know, where potentially, um, you know, we might be able to point you in the right direction to get some help because there are a lot of people, Ray, who are. are being pressured by you know people saying here are the rules and and going back a few years in in my sort of role uh we used to get people from the local authority nhs who would come in and stand there and demand that we did something uh so this would be in the the care industry and they would cite um some rule and and i would always say i'll Thank you very much for highlighting this rule. Um, and, and this is a, a legal thing. Is it? Oh, yes, yes. This is you've definitely got to. Uh, and there were some ridiculous things like you've got to put a, a wash basin with taps in a corridor, uh, something stupid. And, and you'd sort of go, that's great. OK, I want to be able to share that with all of my staff and to explain it to all the families and residents and uh, anyone else involved in it. So would you mind forwarding the piece of legislation to which you're referring? Surprise, <laughs> surprise, but over a 20 year period, nobody has ever forwarded anything because it's people's made up secondhand pie in the sky, load of mumbo jumbo. Absolutely. And, and when you challenge people on it, you realize, and they realize they've been called out and they've got nothing to back it up. Now, the problem with the postmaster thing is they tried to call them out and they just had the resources, the deep pockets, which was, I think, to some extent, yours and my money, Ray, and mm -hmm. everyone else's. Uh, they were using public funds um, potentially in there to uh, to do this. Um, and is that a good use of public money? Well, the, the ridiculous figure that I read was that so far lawyers in this case both sides have been paid up to 150 million pounds. 
for lawyers 150 million quid it's insanity um let me just if you're listening to this and you're thinking well what are these guys going on about i don't know if i'm being affected or not let me draw a parallel to something that happened a few years back and say why um i i think we we are on to something shall we say if you go back to 2008 9 10 there was a or there, there is a bank in the United Kingdom called RBS, the Royal Bank of Scotland. And the Royal Bank of Scotland, largest bank at the time, they owned NatWest, uh, had um somebody said the Gestapo version or, or the Gestapo wing of the RBS, which I, I'm not saying that, I'm saying someone said it, uh, was called the GRG, the Global Restructuring Group. And we um in a previous podcast episode, we had a previous member of the GRG on this uh, on this very podcast. Um, but the GRG, the Global Restructuring Group, they would go to perfectly legitimate, viable, profitable companies, and they would engineer a default. So why would they do this? Well, the RBS had to balance, you know, structure their balance sheet and the the money they loaned out to companies they wanted to recover. So they had a situation where. You know, perfectly viable company was loaned a couple of million quid. They were making the monthly payments, no problem there. They were doing everything fine. They had a lot of assets and uh, they would be handed over to GRG. GRG would say, you're now in recovery mode. They would then lump on charges and fees and extra interest and penalty interest and all the rest of it. And they would engineer a series of defaults. So in other words, they would go into the terms and conditions and basically pluck something out that they would construct an argument round. Um, and then they would try and put that business into the hands of a receiver, close it down, sell the assets and move on. And you think, right, well, OK, that in itself doesn't seem terribly bad, except that when you look at uh, the GRG uh, in isolation, um, many of the directors of the GRG would sell the assets to a company called West Register Capital, which was owned by RBS. West Register Capital would buy these assets at below value. So in many cases at 30% or 40% of, of uh, value, and they would then be sold on. And many of the sales, forward sales, were made to connected parties, as you could say, friends, chaps down the golf club, et cetera. Now, am I, am I, who's saying this? It's all in a book called Shredded by Ian Fraser, who is a financial journalist and highlights in great detail how this all happened. So not making making this up from the top of my head. This, the, the, there's many, many examples in there of what happened. But what's more interesting is in a couple of the chapters, um, the GRG was known internally as uh, the Komodo Dragon Group. And the Komodo Dragon is something that sits around a waterhole, waits for an animal to come along like an antelope. And then what it does is it nips its heel. It doesn't try and pull it down, it just nips it. But the bacteria infect the animal so that, the, and, and very quickly, the animal runs away, the Komodo dragon can follow it because it can follow the smell and the animal collapses and uh, is probably not even dead when the Komodo dragon comes up and then devours it. So they were known as the Komodo dragon because this seemed to be their method. Um, now, many of the directors, and, and if you go as I have done to Company's House and you look at the previous directors for GRG, which was then sort of disbanded in 2018, 2019, many of those directors are now directors in other well-known banks and lending institutions. And guess what? They seem to be using the same playbook. This is what this is the feedback that we're getting from people. 
And if somebody calls me up and says, well, I'm getting a bit of a hassle from, uh, you know, my bank, lender, institution or whatever, and I don't understand why, well, a very quick search can identify whether or not they are using or they, are, they allegedly seem to be using the same playbook. After all, why would they not? Because it worked. It worked for them. Because what and how did it work? They got bonuses. They received uh, penalty interest payments. So that not only did they personally get bonuses, but the the branch of the bank um, became highly profitable. Why? And why wouldn't it be? Because of what they were doing and then selling on the assets. And that playbook worked for them then. And, and we're only talking a matter of, you know, five to 10 years ago. We're not talking about 20 years ago. Five to 10 years ago, it worked then. And now we're in challenging times and they have dusted off that playbook and seem to be using it again. Now, you might say, okay, well, yep, that, I, I understand uh, why they might want to do that, but how do I fight back against it? Well, that's where we are saying uh, we don't have a remedy, but we can certainly help and we can certainly point you in the right direction. So if you're listening to this, please get in touch. Hello at htrmoney.co.uk. Uh, we'll arrange a quick 15-minute phone call. We'll have a chat. If there's anything we can do and point you in the right direction, we certainly shall. If we think there's no merit in it, and so far, I think of the many phone calls we've received, there's only one we have been unable to help fully. But if you're listening to this, hello at htrmoney.co.uk, and one of us will get back to you, and we'll have a quick chat and just see if we can point you in the right direction. How does that sound, Nigel? Yeah, just do it, folks. Um, when Ray's talking about that book, obviously, you know, I had personal experience of that and, and the way that they did it with us was, uh, we were fine paying our mortgage back, um, on the, on the commercial, uh, business. And they came in and said, uh, three of them came in one day and just said, Oh, can you repay your mortgage? And we said, yeah, we kind of do that every month. And they went, no, today. And I went, Full amount. Uh, what do you how mean much, today? How much, how much was it again? Oh, uh, it was about a million. Right. So they expected us to have a million in the account. I said, um, well, you know how much we've got in the account because it's in your bank and you can see it. Um, the answer to that is no. Why? Oh, well, you're in technical default. You are insolvent. <laughs> and I said, how the hell did that happen? And they said, because we're going to do a valuation on this building and we know it's gone down. And yeah, how did they know it had gone down? Because I knew the guys who did the valuation. And they said, um, when I said, how much are you going to value it at? I mean, it, it can't have changed. And they said, oh, I can't remember what the bank told us it had to be. <laughs> so uh, there you go. This is this is what happens, folks. So, right, we're all out there trying to raise money and and we want to use these institutions we want to be able to access funds from a wide variety of of sources the one thing that we want then is them to play fair absolutely um you know if if you lent money to somebody and then changed the rules how do you think that person would feel just you know and and if you held all the uh, all the aces or all the power you know, it's it's unfair. And what we don't want to do is scare people away from going to all sorts of sources to raise money. But yeah. what we want to say is, OK, if you've done this in the past and, and not every deal works out, not everything goes quite to plan. Um, COVID, health, other things can all affect it. You know, the markets go up, markets go down and all the rest of it. If you are still trying to play by the rules that they gave you and they are not, 
then definitely get in touch. But uh, one of the things that uh, I think is, is eye-opening, if my eyes can be opened any wider, I don't know. I'm sure they will be over the next um, few months and years. But, Ray, when you, um, when you sort of go to these people and, and you see what they're doing, and then they sort of change the rules a bit. It's often the other people in the system whom they seem to have in their back pocket. Mm. So for me on the property, it was the surveyors. And, oh, I was thinking, hold on a second. Isn't this a bit like um, Standard and & Poor's and Moody's who mm. used to rate all these junk bonds or what became junk bonds, these uh, you know mortgage-backed securities, well, they were all being rated as triple A's. And, and when they investigated that, the story came out that they said, well, if we don't give it triple A, they'll go to the other rating agency and they'll earn all the fees. Right. I'm off on one now, Ray. Ray, this reminds me of something that I just think is just ridiculous. In the UK, we have examinations, obviously, for schools and the schools. I, I couldn't believe this. Yep. There isn't just one exam that every kid in the in the country sits. These variations, and they're all run by different companies. And I was thinking, well, what's the point of that? And then I was thinking, hang on, why would a school choose a particular exam company? Uh, you know, how does an exam company make money? And you think, oh, well, it has to get more schools to subscribe to their exam, to pay them a fee for them to do all that, and they make money from that, and the schools, you know, use them. And I was thinking, well... How do you attract schools to use your exams? Oh, well, you tell the schools, we've got a higher pass rate than the other ones. Mm. And, and then the other ones go, no, we've got a higher pass rate. Well, how the hell do you make higher pass rates? You dumb down the exams. I don't care what anyone says. There is an incentive here to make the exams easier, to make the pass rates higher, to put in front of the schools so when they pick which examination board to use, they pick the easiest one because the rate, you know, the examination rates go up, their Ofsted rating goes up. They can then put the big banner saying 73.5% get an A or whatever it is. And all that kind of nonsense. And you just think, my God, this is a race to the bottom in terms of doing this because we've set up a system that is just rubbish. Mm. But no one will talk about it. It's yeah. the same with this. No one wants to do it. We're setting up a system that favors somebody uh, abusing the power. And uh, we want to just, oh, my God, we sound like champions of the underdog, don't we? But no, we don't, we don't want to say that. We just want to say, if you agree to some rules when you're raising money, if you agree to some rules, you should stick to the rules. If you do that, then fair's fair. And you've you got to understand the rules and you've got to play by the rules. It's when people start not playing by the rules because in the old days you used to call them cheats we want to say that's that's not on that's, that's not on and i think the trouble is the trouble is ray at the moment we don't know the rules we were told some rules but it's clear that these other rules that have been held back from us and yeah it's about time we turn the tables a bit isn't it absolutely yeah, definitely. I, I mean, we, you know, we enter into a contract and there are certain, uh, you know, th there are parts to that contract that everyone has to agree to and adhere to. Um, 
and yeah, when they when they start interpreting the rules slightly differently, that's when it leaves a bitter taste in the mouth because they're now interpreting them in their favour against you, and they're trying to wiggle out of it, and so on and so on. So again, if you feel that, uh, sorry, I feel like it's at the end of this program. If you've been affected by any of the issues that we've discussed in today's program, then please get in touch. Uh, hello at htrmoney.co.uk, and one of our friendly advisors will get back to you. Um. Okay, well, on that bombshell, Nigel, interesting times. So, yeah, please get in touch if you've been affected and uh, one of us will get back to you. I've been Ray McLennan. <laughs> you nearly forget every time, don't you? Honestly, <laughs> how many times have we done this? <laughs> anyway. Hey, Nigel T. Best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's good night from him and it's good night from me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm Nigel T. Best. We'll see you again. Hey. Stick with it, folks. It might, you know, give us another couple of years. You might get something useful out of us. You never know. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours? <laughs>